0: As our students make their way down uh, to children and worship, we invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts. We'll be in two different places in the beginning of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and this is in some ways the, the beginning of the church as we know it today, and then also we'll be flipping over to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And as we read these two different passages in Acts at the very beginning of the church, as we think about our church, this congregation, North Holland Reformed Church, we ask some of the same questions that have been asked throughout the ages. Like, what is the church supposed to be? How is the church supposed to be? What exactly is the church supposed to do? And how will the church know when it's doing the right project? Whether that be a building project or a program that's being launched or or personnel development, how do we know what it is that we're supposed to be and how and what it is we're supposed to do? And quite simply, we always have to go back. We have to go back to Scripture and, and understand what it was in the days of the apostles, what it was that determined just what the church was supposed to be. To go back to understand the biblical principles that help us understand what is the right project for any church and then just be specific about what's the right project for us here at North Holland as we consider a large project that was launched, well, a decade in the making or maybe more, uh, but two years ago. So as we... um, as we hear those words, I also just want to give you a preview of what's coming up. And so you'll see on the next slide um, that we're back in this reach-out phase, um, and today, specifically, is right project. And on, the, on this next slide, you see right project, but then the very next one, this whole layout. We need to know that we're doing the right things for the right reasons. That's a good rule for life, isn't it? We want to do the right things for the right reasons, and so over the next five weeks, starting to, with today, today will be with right project. How it is from Scripture that we know what the right project is. And then next week to look into what are the right reasons to, to tackle a big project, to step out in faith. And how do we observe the right timing? And that any project needs to be fulfilled by the right commitments being made. And then on the, on the second Sunday of February, we'll celebrate the right gifts from this place that will continue to sustain the ministry and vision that we have set before us, knowing that we are doing the right project for the right reasons, at the right time, with the right commitments. So that's a layout of where we'll go within the next five weeks. But today we start simply with looking back, not with all the specifics of where we're at right now in front of us, but back to the beginning of the church to understanding from Scripture what a right project is for a congregation to endeavor upon. So as we go to God's Word in Acts 2 and Acts 6, I invite you to pray with me for God's blessing upon the Word. Lord, may we indeed receive, believe, and respond to your Word. By the power of your Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes and ears to what it is that you have to speak to us. Lord, help us to stay true in all of the right ways to what you have called us to, that we may be a church, that we do the right things for the right reasons. And Lord, that we do all of this knowing that it is for your glory, for your kingdom's purposes, and to reach the world that you so dearly love and that we love because you first loved us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together together. And now as we go to Acts 6, the church has continued to grow. They've been sticking to their core principles. And and God has blessed the church with its expansion. Persecution hasn't started yet, though it's about to. But the church has continued to grow. And they're about to encounter some growing pains. So as you hear this, and even as we think about today ordaining and installing elders and deacons here at North Holland, I invite you to pay attention to the growing pains that the Acts Church experienced. And to also know and to hold before us that growing pains are always better than atrophy pains. Life and growth will cause some pain. And those are worth it. And pain worth celebrating. And so we seek the growth and not the atrophy. So beginning at verse 1 of Acts chapter 6. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic or or Greek Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you, who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the Word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What is it that makes a church a church? At different times throughout history, even with the emergent church movement in the last 10 years or so, there's there's always this call to come back to the core of what we are. And often this is done with just taking some fresh eyes, with with looking at ourselves well. Sometimes when churches make a, a big push, it comes with a bit of hubris, an arrogant assumption that it's almost like we're the only ones who have got it right and everyone else is just floundering. That always rubs me the wrong way. In college, I had the opportunity to visit what was uh, one of a somewhat famous emergent church. And emergent church, this was the movement um, of of trying to reclaim and and go back to the Acts church. And there was some great things that came out of this that, that churches across the nation learned. We learned that some of our subculture wasn't always translating and communicating to the culture at large. We learned that our traditions really matter, but we need to understand what they're all about and what they're for. And we learned to just always pay attention to what is the core at stake for being a church that we're being called back to. So the emergent church movement had some great things to offer. And because I'm a little bit of an old soul, despite being a young person, um, it also comes maybe with me with a little bit of grief. Because sometimes that attitude of, we've got it right and everyone else is just floundering out in left field, it, it, it irks me. Because when we look at what the Acts Church is all about, we see that throughout congregations everywhere. Everywhere. And so it's a matter of going back and looking to what exactly was it that called the church the church in the early days of acts and to not be not not be drawn off in any direction to learn from each other on how it is how do we reconnect with people who have been burned by the church how do we communicate with people who don't have a background in faith What's the measure of responsibility that we're called to within our own communities and within the world? How do we do this all in faithfulness to Jesus? And if we pay attention to that, then no matter what denomination we are, no matter what congregation we are, no matter what projects we endeavor, if we do this well, we find faithfulness to God, and where faithfulness to God is found, there is joy, and there is also a certain type of success given as we step out in faith. Looking back at the church in Acts, you see on the next slide the, the core four things that are right before you in your Bibles. What the church dedicated itself to was the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and of prayer. They were dedicated to the apostles' teaching, to paying attention to what it was that the 12 who had spent time with Jesus We're paying attention to the way that Jesus taught, the way that Jesus taught us how to read the Old Testament, how to read Scripture, the way that Jesus taught us to live, to understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, therefore following Jesus' way by understanding the apostles' teaching, by gathering together, by finding those who have gifts of teaching to understand well who it is that we are and what we're called to be. A church needs to be dedicated to the apostles' teaching church is dedicated to fellowship, that we, we can't learn all by ourselves, we can't live this life by ourselves, but that we need vibrant fellowship. We need relationships, we need people to lean on and connect to and to learn from and invest in. Both older generations investing in those who are growing up And this is always a two-way street of learning. But it doesn't happen without fellowship. And the early church understood that well. Even in persecution, they pursued fellowship. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread. Now, this is a both-and. We think of the breaking of the bread here at the table where we celebrate communion. And rightly so. We do this. This brings us back to fellowship and the apostles' teaching. That Jesus was gathered with his disciples, and he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, This is my body. Every time you eat of this, remember me. The apostles broke bread in a communion-like fashion, but they also broke bread in their homes. They extended hospitality with all that they had to one another, breaking bread as a celebration in worship, but also individually in their homes. Because every meal has something sacramental to it. We gather here with prayer, with bread and the cup, but also in our homes. We break bread together with our families, but with others who we invite in. If if you grew up saying a prayer before every meal, this is where it came from. It came from the Acts Church of breaking bread together. And of course, prayer. Prayer, even though it's last, is by no means least important in this core four of what the church is all about. The church needs to pray. We seek to do all of those things here. Even a church that's 167 years old. We're still living into what's two two millennia old of these core four pieces the apostles teaching fellowship the breaking of bread and the prayers that we do these things well that we do them together do you see them here do you see them in in what we've done over the last 2 years or if you're if you're newer here maybe it's it's helpful to even hear like the announcement from Vicky to know some of some of what's even happening behind the scenes of making sure that there's breaking of bread that's happening. With the building project, one of the things that a church needs to always be careful of is that we stay who we are, but that we're growing into who God has already called us to be. So I think of the apostles' teaching. Think of the fact that our, it's not just what's new, but it's also what's continued. That our Sunday and Wednesday night rhythms of, of teaching of studying the Bible together, of gathering for word, for prayer, for sharing together. That even as we finished the building project, it gave way to what I would call the Rubik's Cube of rearrangement. That now that we had a fellowship hall, the old fellowship hall could become the youth room to give privilege to our youth. That also meant, though, that the kitchen, since we had a new kitchen, could become a craft room because the boiler room was where we did have a workshop. That was not safe, and it was way too hot. And so then the boiler room moves into the old craft room. But that meant the craft room needed to be moved to the old kitchen. um, And hand-to-hand got moved so it could be at ground level and have a little more space in in the new edition, which meant we had a vacant room, which we actually needed because we needed another classroom. Why? Because in those classrooms we dedicate ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to reading scripture, to understanding Jesus' way and i'm really happy because the new classroom the newly renovated one i think my wednesday night class gets to use which is just great for me and i didn't arrange that that was told to me i didn't ask for it so and if i'm wrong that's okay too but new places are fun but we do this as we gather on wednesdays on sundays as life groups meet and life groups truly meet for studying together of the apostles teaching this is scripture for more, more intimate, dedicated fellowship with a small group, sharing meals together, and praying for each other. Sometimes we do fellowship really well, but we neglect to be as intentional in prayer. This is something for us to pay attention to in the reach-out center, in, in that center space where, you, where we gather in and where we have coffee. Not the old coffee area where casas will meet, but the, the, the new space down the stairs. When we gather there, we gather for fellowship, But do we also just take a moment to ask, how can I pray for you today? Or to even pray together. Sometimes we don't want to pray when we're in the middle of everyone. Sometimes that might feel awkward, to which I would simply ask without any pressure, but I would just ask, why is that? And are we intentional when we we gather? Sometimes we're just waiting for our children to get done with their classes. But do we also pray for each other? Because if it's the right project it leads us to do all of these things. To be dedicated to the Apostles' teaching. To gather in fellowship. That also includes prayer. To celebrate things like the Harvest Feast, which are both fellowship and the breaking of bread type of events. And certainly now, even with Wednesday night meals, we gather together at tables to share a meal together. It's a huge relief for young families that are always a little bit of a scramble on Wednesday. Especially this week as uh, Nathan Longfield and my wife Caitlin are on their seminary trips, so Caitlin's in Mexico for the week, and yep, one meal's taken care of. And my my mom is here, so thanks be to God for, for Grandma coming in basically to save the day. We do these things to know that it's the right project, that it's not for ourselves, but that it enhances the ministry that we have. This is the Acts Church, and and the Acts Church was just dedicated to sharing the good news. doesn't sound like from Acts that they had a particular strategic plan in mind, but that they were going to dedicate themselves to these core four things. And And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Certainly the first and foremost of this is saved by hearing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the promise of everlasting life. But also as we think about our world today, which is lonely, more isolated than ever before, um, heart disease is a concern, but actually loneliness now is marked as just as much of a pandemic, as epidemic for us in our society, that we're gathering together, So something else that we save ourselves from is from loneliness and isolation, that we gather together, and this doesn't happen without fellowship, and that fellowship itself takes intentionality. Part of the growing pains of the church was that it did get a little clicky, even in the book of Acts, where there was the Hellenistic or the Greek Jews and the Hebraic Jews, And a little bit of a first-class and second-class citizenship emerged. This was a problem. And as the church got bigger, as there was growth, there were growing pains. Probably a little bit of what we can see in human nature even today was developing, where you would get in the daily distribution of food if you knew the right people. But if you didn't know the right people, you were kind of out of luck, kind of neglected which probably was a note for the apostles to be aware that the fellowship and the breaking of the bread weren't happening as they should. This calls for growing pains to be addressed. Friends, we have some growing pains. Certainly, as, as any kind of expansion happens, there's little mechanical things, there's programmatic things, there's a constant joy of learning. But as we had the after-school program here this past Wednesday for the first time, It's refreshing to know when the right project is before us, the growing pains are worth it. And to know that that new projects and, and new buildings are exciting, but that old projects still happening were the right projects too. To think of how long ago it was that we started children in worship. Still going today, the right project dedicating us to the right things. To think about hand-to-hand and kids' hope, kids' hope being decades old, hand-to-hand being not quite a decade old. To think about kids, kids' connection on Wednesday night in youth group. To think about life groups and other small groups that have gone before. Ways in which we endure the growing pains when it's worth it. That the right project for us should manifest gospel service to the community. That the right project should respond to the needs of the time with the expressions of timeless truth. And that the right project in our society should serve as a means to provide food for the hungry and fellowship for the lonely. And that those need to go together. As As the Acts Church grew, they had problems. They had problems to be addressed. But you know, One thing they didn't do, since I have this banner here, I can't resist, but they didn't just go hide their heads in the sand or go into the basement. (laughs) I feel like Mr. Bean after doing that. (laughs) Full disclosure, Pastor Audrey recorded that yesterday just so I could practice it to know that it would look okay. <laughs> so I could critique my own movements. But when we are faced with growth, we don't shy away from the growing pains. We don't go hide in the basement because there actually is no basement here. It's just an act. We embrace the growth. We embrace the new things because they're challenges and they confirm for us That we were on the right track. That we had the right project in mind. When the right project happens, it will bring about growing pains. And then we gather together. We don't blame, but we get curious. We start trying solutions and we move forward. And we remember, just as the Acts Church remembered, that the means will justify the ends. Because the means, breaking of bread, apostles' teaching, fellowship and prayer, The means that we have before us are what we are faithful to. And God really has the final say on the ends. And in both of these passages, people continued to come to the faith. Continued to come to the faith because the means were justifying the ends. The growing pains were far worth it in comparison to the atrophy pains. And when the Acts Church had to select deacons, There's something, just maybe a little exegetical note here that's interesting. The original complaint in Acts 6 was that the in-group was really the the Jewish Jews, and the Greek Jews were kind of the second-rate citizens. And if you like languages and names, you'll notice that the names listed of the first deacons that were chosen, almost all of them are specifically Greek names. They didn't ask the in-group to help continue the in-group's growth. But these were people who probably did not have as the same status or position within the community. There was the Hebrew Jews and the Greek Jews. And so Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, uh, those don't work so well in the Hebrew language. These are Greeks who were called in to be a part of the church. Even Nicholas from Antioch is the most interesting because he's a convert to Judaism. Converts were even more so just one step removed from everything, but not now. Not anymore, because in Jesus Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. In Jesus Christ, all participate because the fellowship is for all. The apostles' teaching is equally accessible to all of us. The breaking of the bread is for all to come together and to share. And the prayers are for all people to be gathered together. And so the church embraced the growing pains and they were smart about it because they knew they were on the right project of sharing the gospel, of living together in unity, sharing all things in common. Friends, we do share all things in common. So even as we hear different Uh, critiques of the church or someone who says, hey, we've really got it right over here. They've got something right, and there's some growing areas. Just as we here at North Holland are getting some things right, and we'll also continue to have growing areas. But we do so faithfully if we're attentive to those core four things. And that if the space that we use from, from the farthest south to the farthest north, from east and west... If the space is used to dedicate ourselves to those core four things that even the church in Acts had, then it's well worth it. And that we do so together in, in, in Acts, the church was unified. Even as it continued to grow, they maintained unity. This banner on Groundbreaking Day, we signed the back of. And as Pastor Roger and I got the banner out yesterday, we took a little look at some of the names. It gives you joy. And also, if, if you're just a little bit emotional, it'll also bring a tear to your eye. As you see, some of the saints who signed their names on this banner who are no longer with us, they've been called home to glory. And yet, on that day, at that point in history, they were here with us, dedicating themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. And now, today, we look around, there's names and faces that are new, that weren't here when we signed the banner, but are here now. We give thanks to God because God's faithfulness is at one fixed point in time to be celebrated. But as, Acts, as the church in Acts and as the church today continues forward, we see the Lord adding daily to their number. Even the priests who became obedient to the faith were those who thought they knew the truth, but then in Jesus Christ found the fulfillment of truth. And so the church continued steady on, dedicating themselves to the same things, finding new ways. And new projects come along, and if they're the right projects, they're pursued wholeheartedly. And if they're not the right projects, then the body... Will discern and hear from God to not not proceed. And I must say, just as we close today, that to confess before you, I am not a visionary. I am not a risk taker. I may drive some fast. I drive fast sometimes, but that's about it. Um, In fact, my mother's here. You know, some of you know. I took her Mustang to New York this past summer for the mission trip. A few of you rode with me. I drive fast, but other than that, I'm not really a risk taker. And she already knows how fast I went. I'm pretty honest. Um, But I'm not a visionary. I'm cautious. Uh, You might think, well, you have a black belt in Taekwondo. That takes something. Well, actually, no, it's because I'm so cautious I had to learn how to fight really well so that I wouldn't have to be cautious about it anymore. So to do something big... Like a building project. (laughs) To do something uncertain with a high potential of failure? (laughs) To step out in faith to an uncertain future with unknown results makes me just downright nervous. It was not my nature. Because I have to be convinced in the core of my being that something big like that is the right project. And this has to happen once again in fellowship because I had people here telling me and assuring me that it would all be okay. We step out in faith even if it's a little bit scary. We endure growing pains. But through it all, we continue to stay to these core four things. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. North Holland, let's continue to do those things well to make food for the hungry, fellowship for the lonely, and opportunities to share the apostles' teaching, to pray for one another, and to teach others to pray. And to do this all well, for something more significant than a certificate of occupancy, though we have it, thanks be to God, but a certificate of occupancy to be the church, to be the fullest measure of the church that we can be, to be guided by the Holy Spirit and to live into the future that is emerging before us as God continues to be faithful to us. Because God was faithful yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And so may it be a sign of faithfulness here at North Holland to do the right project for the right reasons at the right time with the right commitment and the right gifts. Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for your Holy Spirit leading and guiding us, teaching us who we are, teaching us how to be the church. So today, we simply give you this day to celebrate. To celebrate what Isaiah 56 shared with us last week as Jed preached, that the good news is for those who are gathered and those who are not yet gathered. In all that we say and think and do, may we live into those four core teachings that the Acts Church held themselves to. In doing so, may we be faithful to you for your glory, for your honor, for your praise, and for your kingdom purposes. Amen.